1: for free shipping and 365 day returns.
2: Hey everybody, before we start the show, it is my pleasure to introduce, believe it or not, I know, second sign of the apocalypse. Here we go. Two new sponsors to the Pack Filler podcast, our first and foremost being the one and only Giant Bicycles. That's right. I said Giant Bicycles. When they say ride life, they freaking mean it. The Pack Filler experience is all about bicycles enhancing your life. And guess what? That is the exact same philosophy Giant is all about. Inspiring passion for the bike. Giantbikes.com. Get online. Check out their supplies. They have a bike for every single freaking need. And if you haven't known that, you haven't been paying attention. Also, I definitely want to thank my friends here in Spokane at the Bike Hub. Chris and his crew took great care of me recently. Their selection, customer service, passion for cycling shine through. Take my advice, you guys. Go to a bike shop like the Bike Hub. Support real stores. Get advice and expertise from real people. The Bike Hub Spokane and Spokane Valley, three locations to get you out there. And of course, I have to thank returning sponsors, our friends over at Fit for Hope. Jake and the crew at Fit for Hope are doing really, really cool things. They now have a full-on website up and dialed in, fitforhope.com. I'm going to get Jake on the show here pretty soon so he can tell us more about what it's all about. But if you want to go over there, it's it's a goal-setting concept for a really great cause, you guys. It's it's about training and preparing yourself for something, not just to get your own rocks off. Okay, For example, they're they're helping provide housing for victims of Hurricane Michael. They're doing all kinds of wonderful things. So go check out fitforhope.com. There, sponsor plugs. I love being able to say sponsor plugs. I know you guys might not, but screw you. It's my show. Let's go to the Pack Filler Podcast. Welcome to the podcast that is as inconsistent as my ability to ride technical trails. Hi, you guys. This is the Pack Filler. I'm Pat Bulger. I know what you're thinking. Where's he been and why hasn't he written? It just hasn't been that long. It wasn't that long ago that I got to talk to Bob Roll. See, it, it, it's not like you were waiting by the door like a dog waiting for the owner to show up, right? By the way, if you crate your dog while you're gone for the day, you're a jackass. Welcome to the Pack Filler Podcast, you guys. It, I've got a slew of stuff that we've been working on and all kinds of fun stuff, and I can't wait to start releasing this stuff to you guys. But first and foremost, i got, I got to say this. I, I don't want to get too melodramatic. You know. I was thinking about a moment of silence, but there's too much shit going on in the world to you know, put my problems in terms of that, so I'm not going to do that. But can you hear it in my voice? Do I sound like less of a person than I did the last time? Do I sound incomplete?
3: You guys, I'm a bike
2: down. I, I have one less bike in my house. And no, I know what you're thinking, Pat, you have way too many bikes as it is. And if you listen to the show, you know, that's not true, right? But it, it wasn't just one of my, you know, coffee cruisers that's gone
3: smallow has gone.
2: As in marshmallow. Schmallow, the road bike. My LaPierre, XML light, a.k.a. Schmallow. Because the bottom bracket looks like a marshmallow. It's not soft though. It's, it's stiff like, but it's gone. It's gone to live on a farm, you guys. No, not that kind of farm. Actually a good one. Not like the one your parents used to say that your pets would go to live on. You know, dogs walking around, moaning at the walls, bumping into shit. Oh, Coco's going to go live in a farm. Really? Yeah, Coco's going to run and play and be happy forever. Oh, okay, I'm going to go to the park now. And then your mom's crying in the doorway. We're going to take Coco to the farm. No, this isn't that kind of farm. Schmallow has gone... I'm honestly going to say this potentially to a better place. Schmallow's gone to the great Dave Martin. You probably know him. He's been on this show before. I think he's been on the show twice, one of our live shows, and then the old guys in my living room show, Dismount. He's now the owner of my road steed, my escape, my life for the last several years. Happy riding, my friend. Take care of her. See that she dresses warm. Sorry, that was a line from Fiddler on the Roof. But, yeah, I I, I sold a bike, you guys. And um, I'm feeling empty inside. So I need a new road bike. I do. It's time. I'm doing some shopping. Stay tuned. That's a teaser, right? you don't give a shit, but i'm you know i just i this is my podcast, so I get to talk about my stuff. I've been riding my old steel my older steel bike in the meantime, and uh yeah, I have several steel bikes still in the house, but this one this is a beautiful candy apple green build um from a a past local frame builder here in spokane guy's name is Gary Selner. He built bikes under the under the banner of Harry Gary Bicycles. If you've seen Harry Gary, you know his work, and um, and I, I I got a bike from him a long time ago. I think Gary might have been a sponsor of the podcast way back when, as you can see. Um, uh, apparently, sponsoring this podcast, Kiss Death for a bike company. Although Elephant was a sponsor of this bike company, bike sh- the, the this, this podcast for a while, and Elephant and he's Copas is still kicking ass. But anyway, I'm getting off track. I'm riding around on a, a beautiful old steel bike, and I forgot what it was like. Yeah, it's a little heavier, but it's got a great feel to it. It's really, even though I'm primarily riding it on the trainer right now because it is, what, it's December in the northwestern United States, which means, yeah. I must say, however, that it is kind of hard to replace parts on a bike built with campy 10-speed, though. I have a campy chorus. It's built up with, with 10 speed with the ergo shifters. You know how hard it is to find parts for that stuff. If you want to stick to the local bike shops, it's, I mean, I, I, they, they look at me, they're going, yeah, I understand you need a 10 speed chain. We can get you one, but we just don't carry them in stock because they were last made 20 years ago. Not that long, maybe 10 years ago. 10, you guys think 10 years ago for a 10 speed? How long ago was that? Anyway. Perhaps I need to do a show, a show on uh, La Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. I just read it, but I don't see it. You know, riding, racing, the old style bikes. I need to do a show on that, you know, about parts and maintenance and all that kind of stuff. Because right now I kind of feel like, you know, a, a Cuban car owner from several years ago when they couldn't get any new car parts in in Cuba. And everybody's just kind of, you know, pirating their old cars or manufacturing things to keep the keep them on the road. I'm going through boxes of, of just stuff that my father just went oh patrick will like this this is a gigantic box of super record parts from the early 80s he's right i I freaking love that stuff and and i keep all the boxes and i drool over them and so now i'm kind of rifling through this stuff trying to piece stuff together to keep my bikes going on but uh hopefully we'll get to that point where uh the new bike comes into the perspective but it is kind of nice you know looking in the old Bikes in the corner, like velveteen rabbits, that you do definitely got to pull out, dust off, and and ride. You know, because if you if you're just hanging them up on the walls, that's kind of lame, don't you think? You know, unless it's truly some sort of a, you know, I have Andy Hampsten's Giro winning, freaking Huffy or Murray or whatever the hell they were on at that current time at 7-Eleven time, but but you probably don't, and you should probably just get out and ride it or give it to a kid, right? Anyway, off soapbox i got to get to today's show. Um, It's funny that I spent my intro to the show talking about road bikes, and and we're going to a personality today of somebody in uh, the off-road world. And when I say a personality, that is the biggest understatement of the year. Um, Amanda Batty is is one of a kind. (laughs) There's another understatement. She's fast, opinionated, colorful, fun, and as she says herself, Feisty as fuck. She's ridden at the top of the downhilling world for several years. She's been on this show once before. If she finished a race, she was on the, to- on the podium. If you're an asshole, she lets you know. If there's bullshit, she will call you out on it. And recently, Amanda suffered a career-ending crash. Um, and, and she's going to talk about that in the interview. She chose chose to retire at the top of the sport, although not as she had definitely hoped to retire. And she goes into explanation about that also. It's been a brutal recovery for her, mentally as well as physically. Um I, I don't know if I'm overstepping my bounds by calling Amanda a friend. I've like I said, I've I've corresponded with her since her her first appearance on the podcast. And uh, you know, I've 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 followed what she does and how she says it and and i love her style and her personality and um i tried to get her on a couple times i flaked out a couple times and i don't think she ever flaked out she was always like sure yeah i'll come on the show so i finally got to catch up with her just recently and um it's a great talk and a great interview so ladies and gentlemen without further ado amanda batty on the back for (laughs) the podcast All right, you guys, today's guest is returning for her second appearance on the Pack Filler. If you are into the sport of mountain biking, if you have any kind of online presence or wherewithal, if, you, well, if you've done any reading or if you've likely heard her voice or words, her style's jet, definitely all her own, and that's the way we like it here. So please welcome back to the show the one and only Amanda Batty. How are you?
1: Um. Doing all right. How are you, Pat? Thanks for having me. No, thank you.
2: (laughs) Hey, you know, before I even get rolling into this kind of thing, um, I'm I'm sure a lot of listeners who are involved and kind of know what you've been through want to know, how's the healing coming along?
1: Uh, The healing is coming along really, really well. I'm actually, I'm slated to get off of the scooter and the pirate leg um, (laughs) on Thursday of this week. Oh, wow. So I will be in a walking boot and I will be able to... um, to take, you know, I'll be able to spend most days on my feet, which I'm really looking forward to because it's been four and a half months now. So yeah, it's a long time, but the healing, the healing is coming along really well. The bones are knitting. Well, Um, I took my, first steps last week which i sh- i shared on instagram yeah. but yeah it's going well.
2: well and th- was that boot that that you call it the pirate leg i saw you out actually hiking on that thing and what first of all was that doctor's orders or was it just like <laughs> i can't take it anymore i got to get outside
1: um well there's not really such a thing when it comes to doctor's orders with me i mean like i'm i'm definitely <laughs> responsible i'm not going to compromise my healing yeah you know that's the last thing i want to do but For me, my doctor understands that getting out and doing everything that I do is also, it's a panacea for the insanity that goes on inside my head. Okay. And so injuries for me have always been really difficult that way. And this one has been, you know, like the doctor warned me. The doctor said, this is going to be really hard for you. You're going to have a really, a massive struggle. You are going to experience depression. You're going to have a hard time financially. And I was like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, (laughs) I'm a champ. Uh, well, turns out he was right. Yeah. Um, but he's also really understanding of me getting out, you know, like on my scooter and going on hikes and then getting this leg. And honestly, um, he actually encourages it. So my doctors have, you know, my doctors and my PT have all been really, really good about keeping me active and, you know, blood flow helps bones. Yeah. And so as long as my blood is flowing, um, and I'm not doing anything too crazy or stupid, you know. They they definitely nixed the winter moto riding. While I'm in the boot, that was definitely a hell no. Um, but it was, you know, as long as I'm not, you know, falling over and I'm trying to be careful and stuff. So,
2: yeah. well, I'm I'm not I'm not sure you want to relive it or if you've gotten tired of it. And if you are, you can tell me to shut up. But uh, can you kind of take us through the day and the crash and and what that did to you?
1: Um, if you're yeah, okay, I no, it's um so. I'm not sick of telling you. it. Just it, um, I think every time I tell it, I gain a little bit more perspective okay. on what exactly happened. Um, but the day of the crash, I, you know, I woke up late. I was kind of in a rush. Um, it had rained the night before, and so I wanted to look at the track. Um, but it didn't actually rain that hard. <laughs> and yeah. so when I came out of the corner before the last jump, I before the jump where I got injured on the second road gap, um for some reason I thought the landing might be or the the lip might be a little soggy or like the corners might be a little soggy or the landing might a little be be a little soggy. So I just figured I I need more speed. Okay. Um nothing was soggy. So I carried all of my speed across pretty hard pack, like great conditions, super tacky, really fast. Um I basically carried all my speed Across the road and into the gap, and as soon as I left the lip, everything that I had failed to notice sort of hit like all at once. Really? It's kind of like that meme with like the woman who's like doing the math in her head, or like the the scene from uh, what's that movie, the Vegas one, um,
3: like
2: where
1: he's like, yeah, Rain he's, like, Man, kind it up, of a right? thing,
2: rain, rain, rain Man or something like that.
1: Yeah, it was pretty okay. much. It was pretty much like I had like a Rain Man moment okay. where it all like all the math in my head just started like adding up, and I realized that I was going way too fucking fast. That I was in my top gear, that at, and that and and the the funny thing is is so i I run a uh, a 38 tooth up front on my downhill bike, which is rare for mountain bikes. Yeah. Um, but it's maximum speed. So, you know, the bigger the ring up front, you know, the more the fast you can go. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and at, you know, the, the math, the math sort of equaled out that I was going about 55 or 60 miles an hour. Shit. Yeah. When I overshot the jump. Um, and when I realized that I was overshooting the landing, I saw the landing go by and I let my right foot drift downward instead of keeping them equal, like even on the pedals. And so when I hit and landed my leg basically just, and I landed right on my pedal And it basically just blew up from the toes to about mid shin. Your leg. Mm Mm-hmm. My foot, ankle, and leg, Um, and my so my tib fib came down and basically popped through my ankle, like popped through, like hit my ankle joint, and the ankle shattered. And then the tib and fib ejected out the back, and the force from my toes came up through my metatarsals and basically popped my. Um talus and calcaneus bones like your yeah. like this little plate bone and then your heel bone and basically just everything just shattered
2: holy shit yeah uh, um <laughs> now i <laughs> a little evil laugh it, uh, you know there's this the theory in psychology of the gate control theory of pain where the brain can take certain amounts of pain and and shut it off was this one of those moments or was this nope no yeah
1: i have never well and and that's the shitty thing is um my whole life every time i crash i'm always concussed and so i don't really remember the pain okay i don't have pain doesn't scare me because i don't exactly like so basically when you get injured your brain Forms All the neurons in your brain, they form what's called a neural pathway or yeah. a neurobiological pathway. Yeah. And, as, and as those pathways form, they get easier and easier. And so you actually feel the same levels of pain worse. Like, and, so, and so your brain understands what pain is. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, because I've damaged my brain so often, um, I've had 32 concussions. Holy shit. 32 medically recorded concussions and six TBIs. So like, but my brain, like last year when I broke my hip my brain didn't really register that pain. Like I remember that it hurt, but my brain doesn't understand that. Like intellectually, I understand that. And so I'm not used to pain, but both massive crashes that I had this year, the one in March in Tennessee, and then my nationals crash, both crashes were, my brain is fine. Yeah. And the pain was the worst pain I've ever felt. Ever. Ever. In my whole life.
2: Oh my God.
1: And the first crash, I couldn't breathe because I bruised a lung and like broke some ribs and stuff. And so I couldn't scream. But the second crash, um, I have a friend who was on the lift. She was going back up. She had just finished her practice. And she said that that was the worst scream she's ever heard that she still has nightmares about it.
2: Holy shit.
1: Because it didn't really hurt until I rolled over and realized that I was like, and my legs sort of flopped and then everything hit me at once, like all over again.
2: So this was, you were cognizant during this entire thing. There was no blackout. There was no waking up in the hospital. None of that shit. It nope. was, it was, holy Christ. Okay. Um, uh, did you n- have any idea at the moment now I'm, I'm going to get to, you know, your, your article and talking about your decision to retire from cycling, but did, did at that moment was this, uh, no, oh shit, it's over kind of a kind of a realization it was
1: yeah as soon as i looked at the the course marshal who had run over and she looked down at me i said we're gonna need a bus yeah and she looked and she she said she said are you sure and i said yeah i'm gonna need an ambulance and a lot of painkillers then she said that i laughed and then i was like it's over and then i just laid down and kept screaming
2: jesus christ yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is why I do. Like, this is why I and, do these shows with an open beer in hand because I'm gonna need it now.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and and it sounds really horrific, and it sounds super fucked up. Especially that I laugh about it now. I think I terrified. I I'm pretty sure yeah. I traumatized everybody on that poor fucking mountain. Like. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is I have to give such a huge shout out to the ski patrollers and bike patrollers at Snowshoe Mountain, all of the EMTs at the Roaring, I think it's Roaring Fork, yeah. emergency services. I have to, everybody at Pocahontas Memorial Hospital, the, which is the first hospital they took me to, um, honestly, those guys actually saved my life. Like, hands up. So it, the bones came out of the PT artery. Jesus. And so I, it's actually a really good thing because it's better than the Achilles tendon. Like 99% yeah. of these injuries, like like posterior tib-fib um, compound injuries, it goes through the Achilles and that's a two-year recovery process. Um, and it didn't. Yeah. It went, it ejected sideways because of the angle that I hit. Um, it managed to barely miss my Achilles tendon and exit outside. And But it pops through the PT artery, which is one of the three arteries in your foot. Okay. And so I was bleeding pretty heavily, but my race pants and my race sock, um, they held it together and then... And the first people on scene, they saw immediately what happened. They they didn't say anything to me. I didn't know I was actually bleeding until I got to the hospital. Um, and I didn't know how heavily I was bleeding. But um, they tied up my leg and they put me in the bus and they got me on drugs. And it, it, they were amazing, actually. Yeah. Um, one of the patrollers rode with me all the way to Roanoke because they couldn't fly because it was the middle of this. Crazy ass lightning storm, like the whole thing is just insane. Like the whole thing was just insane. <laughs> just how everything worked out, it was, it was just insane. But the everybody, everybody at Snowshoe and in Snowshoe was just on point that day, yeah. and I am so incredibly lucky wow. for that for them, and I'm so grateful for them for sure. Okay.
2: So after this, you you wrote a really. Powerful, and for lack of a better non-cheesy word, on, on your retirement, and then it really didn't have anything to do with the crash per se. Um, and without having to necessarily um, rehash and, and you know read your entire post back verbatim, what was it that finally made you say enough is enough?
1: Um, it was partly the crash, but it was also it was the lead up to the day yeah. of nationals. It was having to publicly embarrass our federation to honor their commitment to nationals prize money. It was, it was having, it, it, it was just the constant fucking battle. Like last year I was second in the nation by a couple of seconds. There's never been a year in my entire career for the last six years where I have not been on a podium at national champs. Yeah, If I'm at a race, I'm on the podium and my federal USA cycling skipped me over and the US did not have an elite female presence at world championships last year because of the fucking politics. And you, it was like,
2: yeah. What do you equate to that? Is that, I mean, no, they,
1: they insist, they insist that it was part of like a selection committee issue where I didn't, I didn't appeal their decision, but national rules, UCI, like both USA cyclings and UCI rules say that the, if the first place national champion does not intend on attending, then the runner up at national champs will represent the US. Yeah. And the, like those are rules verbatim. Yeah. And it's so, it's so. And, and the thing is, is they went, they selected representation from every other category pro men, junior women, junior men, five deep. And for professional women, they only selected Jill because she, that's an auto nomination. Okay. They went five deep in every other category, yeah, but they just, took and then life. they only selected Jill and Jill opted not to go to world champs, and nobody nobody represented the u s and then they insisted that it wasn't political, and it's oh. always been political i mean, I knew I knew that this was that's why I went to national champs last year, and that's why that's why that's why I stayed in it this year on the same track. It's a track that I've won on, it's a track that nobody else in the u s can ride as fast as i as Jill or I can, yeah, hands down and and it sucks to say that out loud. Like it on it. It definitely does because it makes me sound like an asshole. But that's my track. Like those those kind of tracks. They're long. They're hairy. Like, well, and it and it definitely sucks. But I knew that if I was going to have to, if I wanted to go to World Champs this year, I was going to have to win at Nationals. Yeah.
2: You know, and I don't think, by the way, it makes you sound like an asshole, as as you stated, because you've got you've got to have some confidence in your abilities. Or you're never going to reach the elite level of anything. You can name oh, yeah. any athlete in any event, and they're going to come into an event going, "This one's mine. I'm going to kick ass on this. Nobody's faster than me." You you say the same thing, so no. I mean, if somebody thinks you're an asshole, they're an asshole because that's, or they have never understood to what it's like to compete at that level of a sport.
1: And and the thing the thing about snowshoe is a it's my track b I've won there before, and c I've been chasing Jill for five years. Yeah, I've been on the podium behind her at nationals twice, before, and that's, and and this year she took third. She's been on top. She's been on top for ten years, and a decade is a really long time, to be the best. Yeah, and 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 she's a she's a badass rider. Like she's so skilled, but there are. There is very little competition in the U.S. right now, outside of like the up-and-comers, like Sam Soriano. And I mean, you have a lot of you have a lot of really talented girls, but it's it's also it's a track that rewards experience. And I mean, shit, look at look at what happened. Like, even experience wasn't enough. You have to pay attention on that track. Yeah. And and if you don't, like, there last year there were multiple. It was just a, it was just a, it was so much carnage. And, and that's why it's such a great track. That's why they're running part of it for the world cup next year. It's a world cup track.
3: Wow.
1: And, and I mean, and everybody, you know, I don't know, I have so many opinions about snowshoe because it's just such a great place to race. It's, you know, it, and it's, it would be a hell of a place to win a champ, a, you know, a national championship yeah. on, but. So you mentioned you mentioned
2: continuing for a couple of years, even though you kind of felt the writing was on the wall. You're being drawn in other directions. Was it a uh, strive for personal gain, or was it a strive for fuck you to the people who are being who they are? That kept going. Oh, it was going?
1: a huge fuck you. Okay, <laughs> it was a huge fuck you because last year, last year I came so close to everything. Last year was my last year hurt. Yeah. Last year hurt because I ran a pro men's time at the Pro GRT last June in Angel Fire. Um and I got fucked out of that. And then I crashed during finals. Um Last year hurt. Last year at Crankworks I couldn't stay. I kept breaking parts. I couldn't stay on my shit. Um Last year hurt and I wanted a chance to I wanted another chance. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted a perfect season. You know, I trained really hard and I went out in March, the pro GRT, um, huge UCI point, a kick ass track. Nico built the track really well. Um, you know, I knew what tracks were coming up. I knew what I needed to do, um, in order to get to the world cups and it didn't work out. And I think that, um, I was done after this year anyway. Yeah. I, that was the plan um come in do what I needed to do hopefully walk away with what I wanted and then bounce but after this crash it was just
3: yeah It's time yeah <laughs> yeah
1: it was just you know there's like I explained in my blog post it's it's been coming for a couple of years just the politics and the bullshit and the fact that I constantly you know at what point at what point can you just ride your bike yeah at what point can you just be an athlete you know instead of having to be and it and it, it just started adding up like these people who would come into my instagram and like tag me into these really stupid conversations because they needed a dog in the fight yeah. you know what i mean and it was just no, like yeah it got to the point where it was like um <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Like, what, what is this for? How, how much good am I honestly doing? Like, is this emotional investment? Is the financial investment? Is my physical investment worth it? And as soon as I saw my leg, I was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and it sounds so bitter and it sounds so dated, but at the same time, like, I think, I think I did what I needed to do. You know, I came into the sport and I fucked some shit up and I changed a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now it's t- someone else's time to carry the torch. You know, I'm still, we're st- you know, I'm still doing a bunch of filming next year. Um, I'm, you know, I'm still going to be a media athlete. I'm still going to try and help raise the profile of women's riding and, and all of that. But I don't yeah. need to be paying to race to do it. Yeah. Like there's not, You know, there's, there's not this question of whether, whether I'm fast enough, quote unquote, you know, it's not, that question doesn't exist anymore.
2: Okay. Now you've, we've, let's talk about that recovery process and I'm not talking just about the physical uh, recovery process. Have you had, have you taken the time to think about what that life of racing at that level is like, what can be done differently and, and has there been a mental recovery for you? Uh, no, no,
1: I would like. I wish I could say yes. I wish that I could say, um, I'm an addict, is what it comes down to. Yeah, I will always be an addict to what to what race to racing. Okay, and there is, and racing is kind of like gambling. Um, but you don't just lose the house if you lose, you lose everything. Yeah. You can be paralyzed from the next, you know, and, and I, I started realizing this, this, this spring when I couldn't say no, I couldn't not go race. I couldn't, I love everything about it. Everything about it. The morning of the changing of the track, how you have to like, it's adapt, you, you adapt or you die and you go and you, you gamble and it's the big win. And, and when you win, there's nothing like it. And when you lose, there's nothing like it. And it is. It's everything. It's dog racing, horse racing, craps, and it is everything. It's every kind of gambling all packed into one and the adrenaline and it's this constant high. Do you are more you're constantly chasing this high
2: but do you you talk about it in terms of gambling, but you have more control over it, don't you w- rather than what <laughs> gambling would be it's not that it's not that ra- you know random reinforcement schedule it's it's hopefully you have a little bit more control over it, but you laughed, and so I must be wrong
1: <laughs> you, no you don't have any control over it you don't have you, you don't have control over the weather, you don't have the control over a branch in the trail, you don't have control yeah, over shit. someone in front of you, you don't have control over a deer in front of you, you don't have control over how the dirt might run one day or one minute compared to the next. Um, and it's, there's no control, which is, which is, you know, it's adapt or die. You do yeah. what you can with what you've got and, and everything else, you just pray that it lines up. And yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, just like gambling, you can get better at it. You can get better at reading tells. You can get better at reading the table. You can get better at watching the ball spin. You can get better at, you know, but it's, it's all about you know how the river runs like and it it sucks to say that and i don't say that to discount the skill or the preparation or the work involved
2: that's a basic Um, that's a base requirement
1: but that's a base. like yeah Yeah. you don't go you don't go into casino not knowing how to play i mean some people do yeah but gambling addicts don't and neither do racers wow and it's and the recovery is um it's going slow because it's not just it's not just physical, but it's also, um, you know, I, I go back in my brain and I think about, you know, what I could have changed. And the first couple of months, I was really good at pretending that I was OK, that like no regrets, you know, like don't look back like I'm moving forward. Um, But I wanted to go out on my terms. I wanted to go out you know a couple of fingers in the air. Yeah. And that is not how it ended. And being a control freak um it's hard. Oh fuck, it's so hard. Yeah. But I but it's really good for me. It is it, this has been this has been eye-opening and life-changing for me. This is the hardest. I have never dealt with anything this hard. Like and uh and I've been I've been I've had some pretty shit luck. And this is the hardest thing I've ever dealt with. Just being immobile. Just being.
0: Hold up. What was that?
2: Yeah.
1: um and it's only been four and a half months like i'm such a baby <laughs> <laughs> and it's only it's, a, it, it, it's been the longest four and a half months of my fucking life and and i i don't know it's but it's changed a lot about how i see the world how i see myself um and the things that i've taken grant for granted for a long time wow um yeah because that... as an athlete you know
2: no you're I... not yeah yeah, and here, I was actually going to, I just uh, scribbled out a question that was actually going to ask you if you slowed down because that is actually a really stupid question because the answer is obviously no. So, what do you do with that passion, with that intensity, with that energy? Um, where I lay where in do you bed take it? And yeah, cry. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, okay, that sounds really, really bad. Um, no, it doesn't. It's only partially true. That's it only partially true. for it doesn't.
2: The record. Take Sorry, in, that was like a, this. Taking the competitive, taking the competition from the competitor is is like you said. It's taking the drug away, and um, that's got to be an incredibly painful um, situation to put yourself in, or to be put into. And and so then you have to try and understand or take into account where do I go now? What's next? What's next yeah. in this book? For lack of a non-stupid cliche.
1: Well, and it's, you know, even, even in the off seasons or at other times where I've been hurt, you know, like when I had a shoulder injury, um, you know, the, the, the drug replacement was Strava, you know, off season or getting ready, you know, you, you get on Strava and you see how many people you can humiliate, like, or you, you get to the gym, you get into the gym and you, and you see, and it's not, it's not, it's not as much about other people, but it's about like, how fast can I go? How much can I lift? How, how serious can I get about this recovery? And this injury, I can't do shit. I can't even vacuum my own house. Like I couldn't up until a couple of weeks ago. And it, it, it got to the point where, you know, this, you have this bravado and you have this optimism and it holds out, you know, it held out for a long time. And, 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 and and I tried to replace it, you know, I was like, oh, let's do this bike giveaway. And then, and it just keeps, you know, there are things that just keep reminding you that you're broken, that you're not less than, but I, I was less than because for a long time I didn't, I didn't build myself as a person. I focused more on what my body could do yeah. instead of who I was. And I think that that's a hard that's a hard pill to swallow when you, when you spend so much time being an athlete that all of a sudden you're not an athlete and what do you have left?
2: And do you, I mean, do you, do you have an idea yet? Is there a plan? Is there, okay.
1: I mean, and there was, there was always a plan like law school and, um, you know, the bike giveaway and, and building this foundation and, um, but I think, I think you have to come to terms with what sets your soul on fire, but isn't a replacement for the drug. Okay. Because it's easy to say, it's easy to jump into the next thing. It's easy. That's what I'm, that's what I'm great at. I'm fantastic at failing and jumping into the next thing. Um, because if you don't give yourself time to mourn, you can't be sad. Right. Yeah. Um, and it is, it's is—it's super hard to, to say, like, oh, this is my next thing and not, not know if bikes are going to be part of it or not know if riding is going to be part of it because for so long, that's my, you know, that's still the one thing that if I can get on two wheels, like, mm-hmm. it's going to be a good day. And, and, to, and to focus on other things outside of bikes Outside of being able to be physically active, um, I don't know if I'm going to be any good at it. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, we're going to find out, apparently.
2: But yeah. well, if 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 anything of what I've gotten to know at you, even from a distance, is is to say, and I'm not doing this to fill the room with rainbows and unicorns, but. Um, your your presence um your your style your personality uh, your your strength and i'm not ne- i'm not talking about physical strength i'm talking about you and, and character and personality um there's th- that's not this is not something we're going to come across every so often and, and i know that there is something in the bike world that somebody's got to get involved and and become a part of because what what you've created and what you're doing is it would be ridiculous to not take that and try to find a way to make it and I hate to make turn it into a business thing, into something marketable, into something productive and, you know, so I I don't know where I'm going with this but I sure hope the bike's involved. And
1: I I think for me it always will be. There will always be a part of me that my goal is to get as many people on bikes as I possibly can. Yeah. That's my, that's at the end of the day, that's always been my goal. Um, and even when I started racing, it was always about, I can do this and I can show other people how to do this. Um, and I think even, even when it became something that sort of dragged me back in over and over and over again, it was still, I wanted to win. I wanted that national championship Jersey. I wanted that world champs Jersey to be able to say, fuck you, yeah. <laughs> stop being afraid. Like if I can do this, you can do this. If I, out of all of these assholes, if I can do this, you can do this. Like just go make it happen. And I think, and you know, then that's still something that I want to do, whether it's these speaking engagements that I've started doing, um, which have been a ton of fun um, or sure. free women's clinics or, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is that I, that I get in, that I get involved in, um, I just want to make the world a better place at this point.
2: Wow. Um, can I ask you about your social media presence?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Fire away.
2: I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, pull any punches here. It, it sparks joy. It starts cheers, laughs, um, uh, incredible moments of beauty and awe. I'm not going to lie to you. And, um, a plenty of, of, Anger, rage, and what you call sometimes those armchair, I guess quarterbacks or haters and things like that. What is it about you that you think people are attracted to and follow you and want to become a part of your adventures? I guess.
1: Um, I think that there are a few different types of people, but I think that I think that people either love me or hate me for a few reasons. Um, the people who love me respect my drive. Um, And my unwillingness to compromise on certain things on the fact that I'm a human and that if you're going to interact with me, you better fucking remember that. (laughs) Um, And I think that the people who hate me, hate me for similar reasons. I'm, I don't fucking care if I'm liked. Um, And I think that that's, I think that people expect other people to want to be liked. Um, People do crazy shit um, to get approval and for me that's not that's not so much a driving factor um especially the older i get i'm just not it's not worth it and i think some people are affronted by that by my unwillingness to adhere to social norms if that makes sense just my because i i could i could play the game but it's more fun not to you know <laughs> Yeah. It's not it's and I think that I think that some people respect that. And I think that it's also um, that it chafes some people because it it's it's a slap in the face. It's a reminder that they could do what I do, but they're too scared or oh. whatever their motivation is for not being themselves. Um, it's just, you know, and I don't intentionally try to piss people off. But I'm also not going to shy away from things that are important or saying things that I need to say or things that just need to be said yeah. by anyone, really, um, in order to spare someone's feelings. Because I think that there's too much um, there's too much high road. There's way too much high road. Um, and I think that people, I think a lot of people think that I'm divisive. Because my focus isn't on being nice.
3: Well,
2: but I, I also find that, especially for somebody like you who's, who's putting yourself out there, it's so easy for people to just simply sit behind a keyboard and provide some sort of a negative feedback or some sort of an instigating comment and then just walk away.
1: Oh, it absolutely is. Um, because they, they haven't lived what I have. And I think that's the, def- that's the line. Um, I think for them, it's easy for them to just be like, oh, she's just a troublemaker. Oh, like, you don't understand what you're talking about. The thing is, is like, I don't talk about topics that I'm not intimately familiar with. I would not presume to do that, to, to speak to someone else's experience that I'm not familiar with. And so when it comes to the things that I talk about, I know on an intimate level what I'm doing. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that i'm speaking from places of experience whether it's being a felon whether it's you know whether it's chronic illness whether it's basically a death sentence whether it's professional racing whether it's marketing it doesn't you know i have i've had so much experience because i've you know i i've lived a fairly difficult life and i think that i think that it's easy honestly i think that it's easy to just leave a comment and walk away and discount someone's humanity and their experiences than it is to say, okay, what does this person know that I might not know? What has this person seen that I may not be familiar with? Because if you decide to do that, if you ask those questions, you're suddenly humanizing that person. But if I'm the enemy, and they don't have to humanize me, then it's easy to dismiss me. Or it's easy to say something shitty and then log off but <laughs> i think that's that's the funny thing is it's not there's no there's no easy solution to it there's no simple solution to that because people people are going to be shitty but they're also you know hurt people tend to hurt people and it yeah. sucks to say like it sucks to say to someone on the internet who's mean it sucks to be like you know what I'm sorry that you have mommy issues like I'm sorry that you're fucking mediocre like I'm sorry that you hate a stranger on the internet because of what you've heard rather than meeting me and that's and I'm I'm pretty sure I've told you this before but it's it's always fascinating to me that that people in person are like wait you're Amanda
2: really yeah. And
1: then, yeah. And people on like, on the internet are like, fuck you bitch. Like, you know, it's, it's always like, it's always really interesting to see the two contrasts, which is my favorite thing at like crank or, um, sea otter or like races, you know, like kind of show up and just wait for people yeah. to come say hi. And like, and it's, 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 it's always really cool because just there's this, I don't know, everybody's human. And I don't, I definitely don't think that I'm, as mean as my words might seem, but I just don't I don't see the point in dressing something up. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hide feelings or put flowery words on something that doesn't need it.
2: Yeah. So I, I know you answered this just recently, um and I I, I apologize if it's redundant, but um What's good about the sport, in your opinion? What do you think of the good things that are happening? Where do you think things that are, are going well, and what directions?
1: Um, I think that the UCI establishing mandatory payment to avoid lawsuits is a good thing, even yeah. if their arm was twisted. Yeah, um, I think that the girls' programs, like Little Bella's, is, stokes me out. Um, I think that NICA is rad. I yeah. think that getting kids on bikes. I think that every all of the people who care about about people of color and LGBTQIA. I think that the progress inside of the sport. I think that Rachel McKinnon's win at World Champs is fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think that I think that the people who stood next to her, the the other allies that I saw, the other the other do not like y- you know ye shall not cross. Stuff was really cool um, because it's, it's going to take those people on the wall. And it's not just I think that the the recent willingness of other people to stand up for someone else like Rachel to stand up and say, uh, uh-uh, that's not how we roll in this sport. That's fucking cool to stand up and watch people. Honor their words is fucking cool to to see to see the explosion of women in sport, to see the need for clinics and coaching and sponsorship programs and, and there's so much need. I just, it, it, that, that soaks me out. And to see, and the other thing that I really am in love with right now is to see more athletes doing more for their communities. Um, when I first started like the racing program for girls and then the clinics and then the bike giveaways, um, you didn't really see that in the mountain bike world. You didn't really even see it in the road world. Um, And now there are a shit ton of them. And I mean, it's still mostly women, which is sort of frustrating, Um, but it's still really fucking cool to see more professional athletes who are invested in giving back that. So that just I love that because it creates it fosters this sense of it, it fosters this sense of community. And it's not just like this small, tight knit, like exclusive team. It's literally athletes who are going out and saying, come hang out with me. It's free. Here's a clinic like or here, you know, here's here's this ride. Here's this. This is where I'm going to be. Come hang out. And I think that social media has been while it can suck incredibly, so incredibly much. <laughs> I think that social media is such a huge tool for such massive change. Um, and I love that. And I love that women are getting more press coverage, like positive, positive, cool press coverage without like, oh, hey, look who's super hot you know it, it's it's <laughs> yeah. and that's so refreshing like <laughs> I, to see female I, don't, athletes. I don't mean
2: to laugh because that was funny i laughed because it was like you fucking kidding me but yeah you're right that's what we run into
1: yeah but it, and it's cool to see female athletes on teams who aren't just hot or who, are, who aren't quote unquote you know socially like traditionally attractive yeah um who are just fucking shredding i love that shit i love that shit that that And that there are women of all ages and races and, and genders and sexuality. Like that is just to see the inclusion that's happening on the women's side of the sport is just really cool because it's, and it's all happening right now. Like, and that's, I think the coolest part and you know, like the wilderness, the wilderness act and there's just so much cool shit happening. Like everything, every day, like everything that I read Just honestly, and I sound like this super crusty curmudgeon a lot of the time. I know that. Um, But honestly, like, every day that I log on and I see something else, like, Ellen Noble. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I love that. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love it. I love her so much. Like, Ellen and Rachel and Casey and just all of these (laughs) women. And Kate Courtney, like, world champion. like twenty. Like, how cool is that? Yeah. (laughs) And it's just, it's all these amazing things. And like Ellen's, you know, Ellen's Bunny Hop the Patriarchy and like Kate Courtney's Sparkle Watts. And it's all of these (laughs) very cool sort of like mini movements that are pushing things forward in such like this uber positive, but like, oh no, we're not going to take your shit sort of way. Like, and, and I love that. I love that there has been this huge shift to building something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of their uh, marketing too, I I remember talking with you last time you were on the show about this huge narrow-minded approach to marketing and how hopefully there's some sort of a change happening there too. From everything such as, you know, women-specific design that might just be a bike painted pink to even such thing as, you know, you're seeing podium girls at the pro men's races and stuff like that. I, I, you've always had a, a very staunch opinion on that. And I've, you know, being a guy, being a white man, it is very easy for me to just go, oh yeah, that's how it's always been. But it's nice. It's not nice. It's just, you open my eyes, you, and I like that seeing that stuff. And do you think that's getting better also?
1: I do think it's getting better. Um, I am pretty angry at the Tour de France for going back on their for rescinding their decision yeah. to do away with Podium Girls this year. I'm pretty fucking angry about that. Um, and I wish that someone would actually hold them accountable for that because there was huge buzz all across the industry when they decided that they were doing away with the Podium Girls. And then when they decided that they were actually not going to do away with the Podium Girls, it was pretty, there was pretty quiet. Yeah. Um, And I was, I, that was right after I was injured, but I, I was, you know, I was having conversation with, um, someone from a tv network who wanted to do a special on it and it it was it was one of these things that has been it's so infectiously degrading and you yeah. know i wrote that post about dear podium girls and everybody got pissed off at me about that um because i examined their economic value you know and and there are like there are which cracks me out by the way there are reddit threads devoted to that blog post really? about Dear Podium Girl. There are Reddit threads that are like, well, she's an athlete. She's using her body to get ahead. And I just laughed. <laughs> I mean, the whole, like, the whole, the, the mental gymnastics required yeah. to be that fucking stupid is hilarious. Like, if you are that dedicated to defending quote unquote women's jobs, but you've never in your entire fucking life taken a stance on women on bikes or women in sport or women in the workplace, like bow out, do me a fucking favor and bow the fuck out. Yeah. Because it's just, it's so, it's just so, Oh, it's, you know, it's the same conversation around like trans women in sport. Um, all of the, all of the detractors after Rachel won. Yeah. all the men, all of these men, all of these white dudes were like, well, I just care about women in sport. I just want to protect women in sport. And I was like, you know what, bitch? Like, I'm a woman in sport. We've got this. Like, <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Like, where the fuck have you been? Like, where have you been? You guys are upset about podium girls and trans women. And like, you say that you want to protect women. Like, okay, come on over. We're having a meeting at my house next week about equal pay. Yeah. Like, the fuck are you? Like, okay, where are you, where have you been? Where have you been in the conversation with Catherine Bertine? Where, where have you been... In all of this, all of these conversations about building women, about bringing women up, about about equal pay, about preventing sexual assault and sexual harassment, about about changing the way that we do business—like, where is everybody? And and you know, it's constantly like this. We're having this huge progressive movement, which the the contrast blows my mind. We're having this huge progressive movement, and yet we're still we still have shit like unequal payout or Like this last weekend in Pittsburgh, the men at the whatever race in there, um, they paid pro men six deep. Pro women were paid three deep and it wasn't equal. Yeah. And it's like that we're still having these fucking conversations that like officials can still tell athletes, oh, like you didn't run that time. Yes, I ran that time. What? Believe me. Like, and well, and that's what happened last year at the GRT, like the whole it, the, it, was, it was a nightmare. Like I had to file a formal complaint. And it's just, it's, one of, it's just another brick in the wall of women in sport. And then everybody asks, well, why aren't women as fast? Well, why aren't women as entertaining to watch? Well, why aren't women this and that? And are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. When, when you look at everything, and I'm not saying like, oh, women have it tough. But like women do have it tough, like as athletes. And yeah, and it, ultimately.
2: It's 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 a comparison element that people don't see beyond, I guess. Would you agree that, you know, we we can't compare men's and women's racings or we do need to compare men and women's racing? I mean, what do you think? I
1: think um I think we need to compare women and women's racing and yeah. men and men's racing, but also the support between the two. Okay. Because yeah. you can't there's a huge and vast discrepancy between the programs that are available to men and the programs that are available to women. Like, so I wrote a thing earlier this summer called equal pay yeah. or equal pay day or something, or like equal opportunity is what it was called. It's on medium. Um, and it breaks down the comparison <laughs> between men's and women's racing and the whole, do women deserve equal payout? And I talk about physiological differences. I talk about, how the risk for women hitting a World Cup gap is actually higher than the risk for a six foot, 180 pound dude. Yeah. You know, and it's because when you're smaller, you don't really go as far. Like, yeah. And so it's, it's one of those things. It's one of those things where we take more risks to run the same courses without the same support, without the same payout, without the same safeguards that the men have been guaranteed. And so, okay, so we're not equal, and you're saying that we don't deserve equal pay but when you take into account all of these differences, all of these discrepancies, shouldn't there like shouldn't there be a larger conversation? Like shouldn't there be this well, there aren't as many women in mountain biking as there are men. Well, there's a reason for that because when you look at mountain bikes – men's mountain bike racing, look at the junior elite programs. Yeah, yeah. How many men's junior elite programs are out there? How many men, how many boys are supported on the sole belief they have quote unquote potential.
3: Yeah, shit.
1: And how many girls have you seen get sponsored based on their quote unquote potential?
2: Shit, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, and so it's it's one of those things where these boys are groomed, starting at like, starting at super young ages.
2: Well, I mean, you could you could go back to the base if we wanted the basic root stereotype where boys mm-hmm. go out and play in the dirt and girls are supposed to stay inside, and be pretty. That you know that that bullshit thing yeah. that's going on, and when you've got that, I mean, where do you how do you ever get to the point where you're a girl and you can say it's okay to go out and play in the dirt or that the 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 even more evil uh, label of the tomboy?
1: Mm.
3: You know, <laughs> where does that yeah. turn
2: into things? You know, and so yeah, okay. Um,
1: yeah. So it's and that's but that's also the cool part is like this year. So here in New Mexico, there are two really fast girls. Um, one is ten, and the other one is twelve. She just turned twelve, and both of these girls just crushed. So the younger one, she just crushed her entire field of boys by twenty seconds. Wow. Like nine boys she's... her age. She crushed them by twenty <laughs> seconds. Absolutely fucking crushed them. And then the other one who just turned twelve, she's twelve. And she continues to beat the cat one adult women by a minute, by a full minute. And she's twelve. What the fuck? Really? Yeah. No, you like there these and there these up and comers are like, and so that's that's been like my secret goal. Yeah. Um, like Rachel Rudinsky this year, um, the sixteen year old who followed me off the big UCI drop in Tennessee. Sixteen. Yeah. She was one of three women to hit it. Shit. One of three women to hit it and the same at like the road gap at nationals like two of the junior x women hit it and three of the pro women hit it out of like fairly large classes but you have these girls who are up and coming who are just like i'm here to take it all and that like those girls yeah yeah i will i will i will get i will pull the moon for them (laughs) because that is like anything they want like you want it i'll do it yeah I want to see I want to see what comes next.
2: Fuck, okay. Um you you've always seemed to have this and and I've got this once again from this interview this all or nothing kind of a style. And would you say there are any elements of your career that in racing that you wish you would have pulled back or is it like no, I'm good. I'm let let's just keep going. No. No.
1: I can I can safely say that every mistake I made taught me a lesson.
3: Okay. And
1: Honestly, Pat, I've always been I've always been a a tough lesson kid. Like every everything that I have learned, I have done it the hard way, and those ones are the ones that stick, you know. Yeah. Um, I undershot a gap in March and destroyed my shoulder, and at nationals, I, I swore to God, I wasn't gonna undershoot another one. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and it's <laughs> sometimes sometimes there's a little bit too much there, but yeah. it's always it's always one of those situations where. I have a ton of experience because I don't just talk. Yeah. I don't just I'm not afraid to take risks. I go out there and do it. And for better or for worse, that's what life is for. And and that's what racing that's that's the that's the excellent part of racing. And and that's it's one of those things where racing will always hold a place in my heart and not just as an addiction, but as something that taught me so much because i took the risks because i was all or nothing and that's that's how you have to be that's how you have to be as a downhiller like you can't do anything half ass you got to do with your whole ass yeah and you know if you half commit to anything you're gonna get fucked up real fast and i would you know 100 percent of the time i would do it over again
2: Wow, well, shit. I mean, okay, Amanda, I'm not supposed to probably do this on this type of a show, but I hope you know how much of a fucking voice you have for this sport and for this type of a stuff and how in. I, I hope you're, you know, I'm going to say to my audience now to send Amanda some sort of a post telling her how desperately you need to have some sort of a of a YouTube or a podcast or or do, <laughs> you need to do fucking TV or something like that. I'm serious. I hope because this fire and this passion and what you and I, the I don't know if this was intentional, but what it felt like the emotional journey I've just been in, on with you for the past 54 minutes has been huge and and you've got a story to tell. You've got knowledge to share. You've got fire and brimstone and you're full of piss and vinegar. And I fucking love it. And, and you've got to take this and go with it. I mean, I'm not trying to give you career advice, but Holy shit. If you don't spread this out, people are, people are going to miss out.
1: Yeah. You Is know, it, I'm it's sorry. Uh, yeah. thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. I appreciate the hell out of that. Yeah, um, fuck. <laughs> you know, Recently, it's, it's just kind of in closing, um, recently it's been that I wanted to be anonymous again. I retired because I wanted to move, I wanted to fade into the background and, uh, someone much, much, much smarter than I am, um, told me, he looked me straight in the eye and he said, that's not your job. Wow. You weren't born to fade into the background and as much as you might want it, um, maybe that's just not who you're supposed to be. Yeah. And it, it gave me some pause. It gave me, you know, and this is before this whole speaking engagement thing.
3: Yeah.
1: Really got kicked off earlier this year. um, You know, when I was in Oklahoma and then someone, someone messaged me, someone emailed me the other day and said, you know, your, your talk. And then the conversation we had afterwards just gave me chills. Like you need to do this. Like people need to hear that. And I've, Like full honest, like quite honestly, I've been, I've been weighing the cost, the personal cost of being, of giving more to other people or just holding on to myself. And I think that that's, that's the decision for me right now Yeah, is what am I going to do with this? Whatever it is that I have, what am I going to do with it?
2: I'm I'm gonna be really cheesy and end with a Shakespeare quote. You ready? Some are born great, yes. some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. So, um, I think you've I think you've achieved it, but I think it's being thrust upon you. And so, I I hope you do. I hope you keep going with it because I just love watching from the wings.
1: Well, I certainly so, appreciate that, yeah. Pat. And. I really appreciate you listening to me bitch and moan tonight no, <laughs> and, it, it, and having it, me on again.
2: Makes fucking great radio, so don't worry about it. But um,
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're, you're about to be on a boot here, and um, I can't wait to see you on two wheels again. Amanda, thanks again for coming on the show.
1: Pat, thank you so much for having me, and I hope you have a great night.
2: So tell me, tell me, after that discussion, after what you heard on that show, wouldn't I'm I, I, I'm serious. A YouTube channel, or having her being one of the color commentators on on a on a on a TV broadcast, or heaven forbid, hosting her own podcast. Yeah, right. Because that's so profitable. Yeah, I'm sure you you know she'd ha- i I know she could hopefully control the fucks and the shits on on a, on TV, but tell me that wouldn't be something you'd want to watch or be a part of or, or have her be a, a mentor or a coach or something motivating to get you going and get your ass off the couch and quit using your excuses. I, I wish the best for Amanda. That was a great interview. Um, we went through the gamut of emotions on that one, and um, I hope you got as much out of it as I got out of it talking to her. I'm I'm rooting for Amanda and I I don't play favorites on this show but that was that was one for the records in in my personal opinion. So there you go. You guys, I got more shows coming to you over the next weeks. My my goal is to is to keep them coming. It's you know, sometimes it's difficult to line up folks and and get folks dialed in and find out schedules and all that kind of stuff, but I swear I'm working my butt off. I want to thank uh, all the people who helped me put these shows together. Got to thank producer Carson Hagen over in Bend, Oregon. Yes, Bike Town is coming. I promise you guys. I'm just getting more footage, and I want to get about three episodes in the can before we relaunch. Before we launch, um, I want to thank my friends Paul Maine. I want to thank uh, God. Who am I missing? I know I'm missing people. Um, anyway. I want to thank everybody who got, is involved with the show, and um, hopefully we'll keep coming and keep bringing out more episodes to you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, thanks to our sponsors, Giant, The Bike Hub, Fit for Hope. I got to mention Honey Stinger, and I got to mention my friends over at Noon, Noon Hydration. Thanks, you guys. We'll catch you next time.
0: Hold up.